الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله احد سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Over the last few weeks we've been speaking about the intention that a person makes in order to change their lives and uh in order to be able to reconnect with their lord and we spoke in detail over the last few weeks about some aspects of this and in particular we highlighted that once a person makes the intention to rectify their life it's very important that they be consistent with the things that will allow them to advance in their goal and in particular we talked about how there has to be a basic routine of quran and salawat and istighfar and dhikr and that this basic routine is essential for the growth of it, of a person in their deen one thing that i wanted to highlight regarding this routine that so we've talked about this routine in some detail in the last couple of weeks Uh, but one thing that i wanted to highlight regarding this routine is that the routine overall has a very important goal and that is that the goal of the routine is to crack the shell of our existence and highlight to us the reality of what we are and where we are so for example we exist in a certain sphere we live our lives we go to our homes we meet our friends we eat our food we go to work we interact with our uh, relatives and this creates a certain bubble around us and we make an assumption that that bubble is reality for example when you sit with people everybody talks about what job you have what education you have what your income level is what type of house you own what type of car you drive what type of clothing you wear what type of places you frequent what type of vacations you take and what this does is this creates a reality bubble in which we exist the person who begins to recognize that they would like to make amends for their mistakes in the past and they would like to develop a connection with allah one of the import, one of the one of the things that arises with that recognition is that a person begins to realize that all of this is just a bubble all of our existence is just a bubble 
And that the reality of who we are goes beyond that in that we begin to recognize that Allah is our Lord and that He is the ultimate goal. Now, why, why do I say it this way? Because otherwise, what happens is the context in which we exist, we begin to mistake the goal. If we live in the bubble of dunya, then dunya becomes the goal. Our bank balance becomes the goal. Our lifestyle becomes the goal. What people think of us becomes the goal. Our degrees become the goal. Our um, status in society becomes the goal. But one of the realities that arises from an individual who wants to connect with their Lord is that they begin to recognize that only Allah is the goal. And as long as Allah is pleased with me, then I have achieved the goal. And if Allah is displeased with me, no matter what else I have, I have not achieved the goal. You'll see that so many of our, uh, I mean, some of the major, so many parts of our day are based on this notion of Allahu Akbar. When you hear the adhan, they start with Allahu Akbar. When we make pray the salah, we start with Allahu Akbar. As we make almost every motion in salah, you're, you're reading Allahu Akbar. Or you're at least raising Allah's name. You may not necessarily be reading Allahu Akbar. Why is that? Because each of those acts, they help to reset our sense of reality. And we need to be reset. We need to be reset constantly. We need to, when we go into the, into the dream world of dunya, and we go into the slumber and sleep of dunya, we need to be awoken with the alarm clock of Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, which comes in the adhan, which essentially wakes us up and reminds us that, wait a minute, whatever you've been doing over the last few hours, or the last couple of hours, you still need to recognize that Allah is greater than that. It doesn't matter what it was. And then when we begin the salah, they say that the salah takes you out of dunya and brings you into reality. Because look, the salah is like this very, very interesting circumstance where a person basically says, Allahu Akbar, and then the whole world disappears. You look at salah, what, what, is, not, what is impermissible in salah? Once a person says the takbir and says, Allahu Akbar, speaking becomes impermissible. Turning around becomes impermissible. Walking off in some direction becomes impermissible. All the things that we normally do in our routine, we can't eat, we can't speak, we can't move, you know, outside of this place where we're standing. All of that becomes impermissible. That is the reality of our existence, which basically what I'm trying to summarize is that when a person comes to the cognizance that they want to make a pledge to Allah, then the part and parcel with that is that the goal is Allah. And that everything else is secondary to that. And this is something that we have to appreciate because this is the goal, this is the goal of the routine. The goal of the routine is not that my grades will improve. They might improve, but that's not the goal. The goal is that my job will become, I'll get a better job, I'll get a, a higher salary. That is not the goal. The goal of the routine is that the bubble of falseness be burst and that the reality of Allah and His greatness and grandeur become impregnated in our hearts. That is the goal. 
you look at, uh, you'll see, you know, often people have these, I've seen this several times now, they have these videos of like, uh, you know, who we are, like where we exist in the grand scheme of the universe. Then they show you like a picture of, a, you know, they, they show you like a city. They show you a map and they show you a city and then they zoom out and then they show you a country and then they zoom out and then they show you a continent and then they zoom out and then they show you like a hemisphere and then they zoom out and then they show you the earth and then they zoom out and then they show you the earth relative to another planet and then they zoom out of that and then they show you like uh, the planets relative to um, uh, the planets relative to the sun. And then they zoom out of that and then they show you a galaxy. And then they zoom out of that and then they show you galaxies. And then they zoom out of that and then eventually they come to this whole concept of universe. Universe means like one nebula in which everything exists, all of the different galaxies and all of the various planets. And then they say, then after that they say, you know, question mark multiverse. Multiverse means all we understand right now that there's a universe. But could there be multiple universes? That's even possible. So the whole reason for the whole notion behind these uh, these these uh, little skits that they create is to show that the planet Earth in reality to the entire universe is not even one speck. It's not even one speck. I mean, if you took this whole masjid and you looked at one carpet fiber in this whole masjid, look at the carpet on the whole floor. And you looked at one fiber, that's not even earth. Just think about that. One fiber on this carpet relative to the whole universe is not even earth. Now you tell me, we can't even uh, fathom, you know, owning earth. Like what, what's the maximum? You know, somebody owns a house. Maybe somebody owns two houses. Maybe if you're very, very wealthy, you own an island. An island is not even a, a, a one one thousandth or one one hundred thousandth or even one one millionth of Earth. And who are we? We're these little 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 specks upon specks. So what what does it lead you to? The thing that it leads you to is Allahu Akbar. Allah is the controller of all of that. He's not controlling just the speck. He's not even controlling us. He's controlling the whole universe. And the, if there's more than the multiverses that the multiverse that exists beyond that, what is that? What is what? Is, where does it lead you? It leads you to recognize that Subhanallah, we're nothing. We're nothing, and Allah is Akbar. Allah is the greatest. Because He controls. He created it. He controls all of it. He knows everything that's going on everywhere within it. He's in constant overseeing, over, he's constantly overseeing it. This is the reality, this is what we aim to achieve, this is what the goal of our saluk is. When a person begins to recognize that they are absolutely nothing, no matter what people tell them. Oh, you're so, you're an engineer. Yeah, I'm just an engineer. I mean, what? No, you're a surgeon. Oh, 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 you're a surgeon. Yeah. I mean, what, what is that? That's nothing. It's nothing. I mean, we've created these. It's funny because we've created these little, little, little bubbles, which we created. And then we make them out to be something that they actually, we, we make them out to be something which they are not. Which they are not. And what happens? The bubble doesn't get burst until we go to the grave. 
Then we go to the grave and then we see that we're, we're nothing. We're just a dis- disgusting human being that, uh, you know, that we are. Because these are our deeds and this was actually all that mattered. The, per, the, the benefit and one of the goals of this path is that a person's bubble is burst. Anything that they saw themselves to be, that its reality is completely erased, and only the greatness and grandeur and supremacy of Allah and Allah alone remains. That is, that is the ultimate goal of this path. And the first step, the first step comes with this pledge. The person begins to appreciate, I am weak, I have made mistakes, I have a Lord, this Lord will judge me. I don't want that I be judged harshly on the day of judgment. I want to seek forgiveness for my mistakes. It's that there's a cognizance there, right? You don't just wake up and say, oh, I'm just a sinner and I wish Allah would forgive me. It doesn't happen just like that. There's a cognizance and that cognizance is that I'm nothing. And there's a Lord and he's so great and grand. And how am I going to stand before him? And how will I be able to account for my deeds and look at the mistakes that I'm making I need to start rectifying myself. I need to seek forgiveness before my Lord because He is the Lord of the whole universe. Right? Which, by the way, I mean, when we say Lord of the universe, that's even restrictive. It's actually, I, I don't even want to say that. I'm even afraid to say that because there could be many universes. Allah is the Lord of all of them. The Lord of everything. The Lord of all. The Lord of every world and with whatever dimensions it has to it. Allah is the Lord of all of that, and we are nothing. I mean, who are we to stand? You know, people, they, they make a big deal. This guy is uh, uh, making this much money, and this guy has this much. But, but that isn't even, that person has not even scratched the surface of a speck and the reality of all of existence. And we, here we are giving this person some sort of special status as if they've achieved something. What have they achieved? And how does it compare to Allah, who owns it all? And whose power is far beyond anything we could ever fathom. And where are we? This is the falseness that we have um, somehow created amongst ourselves. That there's some reality to this. That there's some reality to the wealth a person has. Or the uh, degree that a person has. Or the car that the person drives. Or the house in which the person lives. Or the cell phone that they carry. There's no reality to any of this. There's only one reality, and that is Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest, and Allah is the Lord of all. So, that bubble gets burst. That's the, that is the goal of the path. And by the way, that is the sign of the path. So what happens? Person takes the initial step like we spoke about. They make this bayah, this bayah of tawbah, that they want to reconnect with their Lord and that they want to disconnect from their previous sins. And then they begin a routine. Now, what does that routine do? That routine is a bubble-popping exercise. It begins to pop the false deities that have been created in our minds. These are false deities. That this, that somehow my wealth will protect me. Let me pop that bubble for you. That somehow, because I have a degree, I'm exempt. I'm different than others. Let me pop that bubble. Somehow, because I have a nice car, I'm above someone else. Let me pop that bubble. The routine that we go through, it pops the bubbles of these false realities, these false idols that we've created in our own mind and our own society. 
And it brings us to the reality that Allah is one and He is unique and grand and great and supreme in only, in only in a way in which He can describe. Now, how do we achieve that? We achieve that by recitation of the Qur'an. And what is the theme of the Qur'an? The theme of the Qur'an is the greatness and grandeur of our Lord. It commands us, look at the things that you can see. Look at the sun, look at the, look at the sky, look at the mountains, look at the earth, look at the reality around you and begin to recognize that it is actually greater than what you think and that it is far greater than what you may be able to do. And this reality, it gets established and reestablished, established and reestablished throughout the Qur'an. The, 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 the stories of the people are told to show that when they deviated from this reality, they were wiped away. And this reality is reiterated to remind us that this is actually what has meaning. Now, a person makes istighfar to seek forgiveness for their sins. A person makes salawat to reconnect with Rasulullah A person recites Quran, this reality is awoken within them. And a person makes a dhikr, and when a person makes a dhikr, they leave the false world in which they exist, and they exit for a moment and begin to reflect on their Lord. Now when we leave the false world in which we exist and we begin to reflect on our Lord and we disappear in His greatness and grandeur and His mercy and His supremacy, that then leads us on a path of saluk. This is the path of saluk. This is, these are the steps that we make. Now, you know, the, the ulama and the mashayikh, they have descriptions for this. They say there's a, there's a sayr ilallah, and sayr fillah, and sayr minallah, and sayr ma'allah. So they have all these descriptions. But we can avoid the descriptions for a moment and just say that what happens is a person begins to leave the false realities of this life and begins to elevate and connect themselves to the greatness and grandeur of their Lord. That is the effect of the dhikr. Now, if we want to achieve the effect of the dhikr, now what, 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 is the, what is the benefit of that? Human beings have been designed to seek their goals based on the importance that they place in them. So, for example, if I have a child, let's say that I'm a NFL quarterback. Okay, I'm the uh, world's greatest NFL quarterback. And I, and I have children. So, what happens? I'm going to teach my kids football. Why am I going to teach my kids football? Because that's what I see to be important, and that's what's going to be instilled in my children. And my children may actually end up becoming great NFL quarterbacks. And you'll see, historically, if you look at history, a lot of the great NFL quarterbacks are actually children of NFL quarterbacks. And they learned it through from, from their own father. This was, a, this was the reality that was placed within them. Now, why am I giving you this example? Because what in, what happens is when... You, when you give a human being a, a sense of importance about something, then what ends up happening is that human being aspires to that thing. That's the natural inclinations that we have as people. So if I am a, I don't know, I'm a businessman, and my children, they see that I'm a businessman, they will be inspired. If they, if they, if they happen to spend time in my company, they will be inspired towards that. That's, that's natural. When a person goes into a state of dhikr and begins to disconnect from the false realities and begins to connect to Allah, then the aspirations that drive them will drive them towards that connection with Allah. Now what will happen? The person will be aspiring towards salah. 
The person will be aspiring towards Qur'an. The person will be aspiring towards the masjid. The person will be aspiring towards charity. The person will be aspiring towards the service of others. The person will aspire towards Jannah and will begin to lack a desire for dunya. That's the sign that a person is making progress on this path. That's the natural sign. Now, if a person is traveling down this path and their desire for dunya increases, then there's something that the, 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 the travel is not in the right direction. That's the sign. So as we, make, as we begin to progress down the path, that we make the intention to be on the path and we begin to inculcate the routine of the path, then there's two issues that have to be brought up to our attention. The first is that we should do everything we can to advance on the path. Which basically means that we have a constant reality check. We constantly spend time in a state of dhikr, regularly, continuously, like I said previously. And we are regularly in that state of dhikr, which then allows us to become cognizant of the reality in which we exist. And that only happens with a regular effort. Number two, as we begin to... to um, approach that dhikr and inculcate that dhikr into our lives, we disconnect ourselves from dunya. Now, you'll see that generally if you had to summarize the science of spiritual development into just a couple sentences, it would be summarized in this way. A routine of, of worship with a disconnection from dunya. Why? The routine of worship, it advances the soul and allows it to elevate towards their, towards their Lord. But the dunya grabs it back down, right? These are two opposing factors. They're, these are two opposing factors. So if we spend five minutes in dhikr, but spend, you know, 12 waking hours thinking about dunya, thinking about our bank account, thinking about about how we can make this, uh, you know, we can make this next uh, step up in our in our social status, etc. Then we won't be able to f- feel the effects of dhikr. Now, if a person spends six hours in dhikr and then spends five hours, you know, in dunya, then okay, maybe they've got a you know plus one differential, and that plus one differential allows them to benefit. But look at our state; we spend five minutes in dhikr. And we spend 95%, 99% of our time imagining the various benefits of dunya. So where will we be? I mean, you know, how, many, how much of a differential exists before you even break equilibrium? Maybe you can argue an hour of routine uh, up against 12 hours of dunya. Okay, maybe there's a differential there because of the barakah of the routine and because of the multiplying effect of the, of our, of, uh, the efforts that we make from our Lord. You know, the multiplying effect on the efforts that, that we make from our Lord. But where is the differential? I mean, uh, I did three minutes of dhikr and I can't find time in the day. Can I sit down and get some advice? Uh, how, how can I improve? How can I advance? Can I move to the next lesson? Okay, what's your routine? Three minutes of dhikr, but only sometimes. And, uh, but I did do one hour before I came to see you. You know, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't take you very far. I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take us very far. We have to, be, we have, to have a concerted um, effort towards, towards our dhikr and a concerted effort towards our routine. And it's through that effort that we begin to benefit. 
And we certainly, I mean, look, there's dunya, we can't avoid dunya. We swim in dunya. We have to cross from one side to the other. We're in this world, we have to cross to the grave. We have to cross through dunya. We can't avoid it. But at least we can cut ourselves from dunya where we don't need to. At least we can cut ourselves off from dunya where we don't need to be involved. That's a, that's a pro- proposition for each of us to independently address. Regardless, we should all be very clear on this point that the, ru- the goal of the routine is to, connect, is to disconnect from this world and to connect with the hereafter. And it opens up the reality of who we are. That only Allah is the greatest and everything else is just passing. Everything else is, comes and goes. Now, does that mean that you can't have nice things? Of course you can have nice things, but they shouldn't be the goal. They shouldn't distract us from the goal. It shouldn't be that in the pursuit of nice things, we don't read Quran anymore. In the pursuit of nice things, we don't visit the masjid anymore. In the pursuit of nice things, we don't give charity anymore. In the pursuit of nice things, we can't take the time to talk to anyone anymore. That's not the, There's no balance there. That's a deception. That means that we've gone on the wrong path. We're not on the path of saluk. We're on the path of dunya. So we ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He make us, uh, He open our eyes to the reality of our existence. And we ask that He keep us consistent on our routine.